بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المحمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين أجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف وجعلنا من أعوانه وأنصاره Alhamdulillah, we are able to have once again our reflection on Surat Luqman. Uh, this time I am in Dubai and I hope that inshallah the connection would be alright. Although sometimes this uh, gets disconnected, but the speed should be alright. As you remember, we talked about the verses in Surah Luqman which relate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creatorship, ownership, lordship and the very last verse that we recited was the verse 28. So now we want to move on by reflecting on the verse 29. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Alam tara anna Allah yuliju al-layl fil-nahar, wa yuliju al-nahar fil-layl, wa sakhara al-shamsa wal-qamar, kullun yajri ila ajalim musamma, وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ Allah says, haven't you seen that God the Almighty makes the night enter the day and enters the day in the night and has made sun and moon at your disposal manageable by you, by you every one of them is moving up to a fixed deadline and truly God is aware of what you do aware of your action this verse which is another verse in this surah which talks about Allah's great power and great role of lordship in this world mentions in particular the time the time that we normally use is based on alteration of days and nights Allah says that one of the things that you should reflect is that he makes night inside or enter the day and vice versa what does it mean why he didn't just say that 
he brings day after night and brings night after day. He said he makes them inside each other. There are different views here. One view is that in most of the parts of our planet, the time, the duration of day and night are changing. So for example, just as an example, imagine that today for us from sunrise up to sunset is 8 hours. So we have 8 hours a day or if you want to say from dawn to for example sunset can be perhaps 10 hours. This is just an example. Then tomorrow if we are for example in spring the day becomes longer. Then day after tomorrow even longer. So in this way day is entering the night. It means that in the past for example uh, 4 p.m. was the sunset nights 4 2 4 hours and 2 minutes now become 4 3 or 4 so minute by minute more or less day is taking some part of the night and then after few months it becomes opposite night would take over some of the parts of the day so this shows that the day and night not only come after each other but also they interact with each other so this is one meaning of yulaju layla fil nahar wa yulaju nahara fil layl of course there are also other meanings and basically the idea is that Allah has made this plan that we are not always living in dark or always living in the bright we have to experience both day and night and we have to also experience the increase or decrease in the period of day and night and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he has made manageable at disposal sun and moon so we can benefit from them in the way that we like in the way that it suits our purposes and our interests and at the end we have to know that uh, sun and moon are not going to be there forever they are not eternal they are not going to be all the time there there is a fixed deadline for them we don't know how many years we don't know how many thousands of years but we know that finally everything in this physical world would come to an end for example if you remember the beginning of surah takwir what is a shamsu kawwarat all refers to the fact that this physical world would come to an end at least in its form so it will be different it will be absolutely different as the Quran says the earth becomes something different so the movement of the sky 
sorry, the movement of the sun and the movement of the moon is up to certain time. Uh, in the past, most of the people, most of the scholars, if not all of them, had the idea that sun is not moving and it's only the moon which is moving. And this is, of course, not I'm talking about, for example, uh, the time of medieval ages or time of, for example, Islam. I'm talking recently the, in the modern science of uh, astronomy. They had this idea that sun is fixed and moon and earth are moving. In the more ancient understanding, they thought that earth is not moving and sun and moon are moving. In the calculations, at the moment what they do is that they assume, again like the past, that sun is moving and earth is fixed, just to make the calculations easy. But there are new ideas that even sun is moving and the Quran in some places mentions this. One of them is this Although sun compared to moon or the earth or other planets in our solar system has more stability but it is not really fixed. That also is moving. And the Quran says also in Surah Yasin, Kullun fi Everyone has its own root and it's like swimming, it's moving in that root and direction. And then finally we say, And truly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of what you do. So, it means that this world is coming to an end. It is just an opportunity for human beings to do good in this world. But they must know that everything that they do or don't do, everything that they think or don't think, everything that they believe or don't, are known by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And time would come afterwards that we have to be accountable for what we have done or said or believed. Then the verse 30. This is the verse that I promise to uh, reflect more and to explain more about the truthfulness. Let us first read the verse itself. This is verse 30 where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and I can change for you the slide Allah says ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقِّ وَأَنَّمَا يَدْعُونَ مِنْ دُونِهِ الْبَاطِلِ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْعَلِيُّ الْكَبِيرَ All the things that we have said so far is because God is the true. 
everything that we said about God's power, God's plan, ownership, creatorship, lordship, resurrection being for him very easy, is because he is al-haq, he is the truth, or he is the true, in Arabic haq can mean truth, it can also mean true. So, God the Almighty is the true, and anything that they call other than God, whether they are idols made from, for example, stone and wood and so on and so forth, or they are not idols in a very, you know, formal way, but still can preoccupy their mind to the extent that they serve them, they worship them. Like, for example, money, like position, like fame. So, anything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is... Uh, making us very much busy with and preoccupies our mind and ask us to serve would be batil this would be false and truly God is high and great Ali comes from Ulov which means high means raised and Kabir means great okay I want to reflect with you on this particular expression. I don't know of any verse which gives so much of emphasis on truth. You know, we all, as believers in God the Almighty, we all love God, we all mm, revere God, we all believe that God is the source of good, of beauty, of mercy, and we know that He is perfect, so we want to believe in Him. But this ayah is saying something more. This ayah is saying that even God is to be worshipped, is to be called upon because He is true. In other words, and this is maybe a tricky question, but it's really something that needs attention. If I ask you, what is more important? Is it more important that God is our Lord, God has to be worshipped, and so on and so forth, or that God is true? Or even I can go further. Is it more important to be God or to be the true? This verse is telling us that to be true is more important. You may have a concept 
But this concept may have no reality, no truth behind it. You have a concept of God, but to be really able to relate to this, to believe in this, to let that occupy your heart, you have to know that that is true. If it's not true, what is the benefit? Imagine if you have all different qualities of God, all together as a theory. The perfect being that it creates, the perfect being that has complete knowledge, the perfect being that can do everything. So if you have all this, but it has no reality, it doesn't exist. So what is the benefit? Of course, we believe that God necessarily exists, but I'm just saying for the sake of argument, if you can separate these things. So to be God and to be true are not separate. But suppose, conceptually, we are able to differentiate and separate them. Which one is more important? God says, to be true. He says, I am you know, this is of course my words, but I'm explaining, you know, what is the concept. God is saying, I am your Lord. I am the owner of this world. I have made everything manageable for you. But still, I say you should believe in me. You should worship me because I am Al-Haq. So to be Al-Haq is the most fundamental thing. And God says, the reason that you shouldn't worship idols or any false Lord is that because that is false. There is no reality. There is no truth behind it. I don't know of any verse which is so much clear in the significance of truthfulness. So now I want to share with you some of the hadith about the necessity of being a person who observes truth, tells the truth, and acts according to the truth. There are many hadiths, just I share with you some hadiths. For example, there is a hadith in Al-Kafi, second volume, page 234, there is a chapter about the faithful and, its, and his signs and qualities. How can we realize someone is faithful? What are the signs and what are the qualities of a person who is really faithful? In this particular chapter, there, there are many hadiths. Hadith number 13 is from Imam Baghir salam. It reads as follows. عن أبي عبيدة أن أبي جعفر عليه السلام قال إنما المؤمن إذا رضي لم يدخله رضاه في إثم ولا باطل A faithful is the one that when he is pleased with something or someone this pleasure, this being pleased and satisfied would not let him to go towards the sins Sometimes when I love something too much or like a person too much, then I will side by that thing or that person and I may 
Or for example, you know, keep silent even if it makes mistakes. Or if it harms someone, I ignore. Hadith says no. Even if you are pleased with something or someone, still you must not lose your standards. The moral standards. If that person is doing something wrong, you have to realize and you have to try to correct that. And then it comes after a few words here. This is my point of reference. God the Almighty says, وَإِذَا سَخَطَ This is right after the previous one. لَمْ يُخْرِجْهُ سَخَطُهُ مِنْ قَوْلِ الْحَقِّ This is قَوْلِ الْحَقِّ which is very important. A moment is the one that when he is pleased with someone, he would not commit any sin, any unfairness, and so on and so forth. وَإِذَا سَخَطَ And if he is not pleased and satisfied with someone, this would not lead him to say something which is not true. If I am angry with someone, I shouldn't go and tell lies about that person. In the same way that when you are happy with someone, when you support someone, you should not do everything to please him or to help him, even if it is bad. You have to be careful just to use good means. Also, when you are sad when and unhappy and angry with someone, you must not start telling lies or untrue things about that person or about anything else. So to be committed to truth is very important. There is a hadith that a person went to Imam Sadiq alayhi salam. This is in Wasail al-Shia, volume 15, page 199. A person went to Imam Sadr and said, Yabna Rasulillah, akhbirni an makarim al akhlaq. O Apostle of God, O Messenger of God, please inform me about the noble traits of character. And the Prophet said, Al afwa amman zalamak, wa silatu man qata'ak, wa i'ata'u man haramak, wa qawlu al haq. وَلَوْ عَلَى نَفْسِكَ It's beautiful. Noble traits of character are different from good traits of character. We have مَحَاسِنُ الْأَخْلَاقِ which is basically to reciprocate the good, not to harm. And we have مَكَارِمُ الْأَخْلَاقِ Noble traits of character which is much more than reciprocation. الْعَفْبُ عَمَّنْ ظَلَمَكْ to forgive someone who has wronged you. Not to forgive someone that, for example, has been wronged by you and then now he has wronged you. You, know, you understand the difference? Sometimes there is reciprocation. So, I wrong someone, he wrongs me. I visit him, he visits me. I give him, he gives me. I am ill, I visit him. And when he is ill, I visit him. So this is reciprocation. But makarmul akhlaq is that you may not receive anything from that person. Or you may just receive bad things from that person. But still you are able to offer good things to him. 
He has dealt you with injustice. He has wronged you. He has made zulm, injustice to you, but you forgive him. You have a relative who never comes to visit you, who never phones you to ask about you, who doesn't bother about you. But you should go and visit him and you should fulfill your responsibilities towards that person as a relative. If someone has deprived you, has denied to help you when you were in need, now that he needs, you have to give him and don't make it also painful by saying that you didn't give me but I am still giving you. No. This is not good. Just give him. And then this is what we were talking about. To tell the truth even if it is against you. Of course, in the long term, this is not against you. In the short term, it may be against you. For example, if I am selling something, if I tell the true price or the true cost, it may be causing problem for me. But, still, I must know that in the long term, for my own interest, I shouldn't tell lies. If I have, for example, purchased something $1 and I want to sell it now $10, I shouldn't tell lies and say, I have purchased it $9 and now I'm selling it $10. Anything which is not true, which is not based on reality, must not be said. Even if it is against you. Even if you have to admit that you have made mistake or you have had shortcomings or whatever. If there is no problem for myself, if it is not against me, that, against me, it's not that much a challenge. To say something true which has no impact on my life, it's not going to create anything problematic for me. That is not a big challenge. But to be able to tell the truth even if it is against you. Imagine, for example, you know, there is a kind of election. So if I say that my friend who is competing me is better than me, or there is a quality that I lack, this is one of the signs of faithful. Another hadith is from Imam Amirul Mu'minin alayhi salam in which he says that there are three things that can save us and three things which can destroy us. Those three things that can save us and this hadith is Mustadrak wa Sa'il al-Shia page 125. Those three things that can save us are one taqdallah fassirra wal-alaniyah to fear God, to be pious in public or in secret, in front of people or in the absence of people, to be pious. To tell the truth whether you are angry or you are happy 
Whether you are pleased with someone or you are not, you have to be always pious. And the last thing is to give the right to the people to tell the truth about yourself even if it is against you. So this is very important. And then we have this beautiful hadith in several sources. It's from Al-Khisal by Shaykh Sadduq Rahmatullah Alayhi, but also mentioned in Mustabrak Wasa'il Shia, volume 11, page 316. A person asked Imam Ali ibn al-Husayn Zayn al-Abideen, Akhbirni bijami'i shara'i al-deen. O Imam, please inform me of course, he doesn't say, Oh, Imam, I am explaining. He just said, Please explain to me all Shara'uddin, all the rituals, all the practices, all the actions, all the things that we have to remember that as a faithful we have to do. What are they? So now, what do you imagine? You think that the Imam would be saying that the most important thing is to pray, to fast, to give alms, to go for Hajj, for Ziyarah? These are all important. There is no question about them. But Imam is saying there is there are some things which are more important. And with them, our prayer and fasting and alms are going to help us. Without that, this is not going to help us. There are many people who say their prayer and still they are not good people. If you look at the Khawarij, those who killed Imam Ali salam, they used to say prayer a lot, so much so that there was always the mark of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the forehead. So Imam Zain al-Abadin says, the most important thing is qawlul haq wal hukmu bil adl wal wafa'u bil To tell the truth to judge according to the standards of justice and to be loyal, to keep your promises. So these are the most important things. This shows the core of the message of Islam and the Islamic law. قول الحق والحكم بالعدل والوفاء بالعهد so, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has based his creation on truth. And truth is one of the concepts which can explain everything. So, Allah himself is the true. In what sense? When we say, Does it mean that God exists? Yes, part of it is that God exists, but it's more. For example, we exist, but can we say, الحق, I am the truth, or I am the true? No. الحق is more than just being there or existence. It means that I am the source 
and the origin of being or existence. I am the only thing which exists by itself and brings about other things. Zalika not Sometimes we say something is haq. For example, you know, uh, in the ziyara of Ali Yasin and you know the prayer after that, you know, for example, we have this that I bear witness that uh, the day of judgment is haq, death is haq, being questioned in grave is haq. Okay, this is no, no, it's clear, no problem. I can say, for example, this computer is true, is a real one. My shirt is real, my pen, my watch, myself, other things around. These are haq. But I cannot say they are al-haq. They are the truth. They are the truth. It is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is there and on top of that and much more important just, than just being there. He is the foundation of reality. Anything which has reality is through him, not even next to him, not independent from him, it's just through him. So we find our truth, we find our reality, we become true because of our relation with him. So he is the true and anything which relates to him, anything which is created by him becomes true. And then, when it comes to prescription, when it comes to giving normative commands and instructions, anything that he wills would be true, would be haq. Anything which is approvable and desirable or commandable by him would become haq. So, is it haq? Is it right? Here, the concept of haq is a combination of truthfulness and being right. Because truthfulness here leads to being a right choice, a right action. So, anything that we are supposed to do also has to be done by us with commitment to the truth. Even Allah says that He has sent His Prophet truthfully. The Prophet was sent to serve the truth. The Prophet was sent as a commitment to the truth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in actually two places, Surah Baqarah number 119 and Surah Fatir number 24, He says, bil And Allah says to the Prophet that if He wants to add even a slight to the slightest something which is false, Allah would destroy him. لَأَخَذْنَا مِنْهُ بِالْيَمِينَ ثُمَّ لَقَطَعْنَا مِنْهُ الْوَتِينَ 
If he wants to fabricate something and say this is what God said, we will seize him with the right hand which is standing here for power and we will cut off his uh, blood container. So the blood container in the neck. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the Prophet that you cannot even bring a little of falsehood to the religion. Everything must be according to the truth. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us to be at the service of the truth. To encourage people to observe the truth. So, truthfulness is very important. And unfortunately, we don't have time to link this truthfulness and sedq. Which is not just to tell the truth. Sedq means to observe the truth. It can be in your words. It can be in your intention. It can be in your uh, beliefs. And then, have in the Quran... صادق, the people who are honest, the people who observe the truth. And then we have Siddiq, the people who are most honest and most truthful. So I think I should stop here. If you have any question so far, please put forward. And inshallah, we will continue our discussion um, after two weeks. But just let me, before I start receiving your questions, read these two verses once again. Verse 29 and 30. أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ يُولَجُ اللَّيْلَ فِي النَّهَارِ وَيُولَجُ النَّهَارَ فِي اللَّيْلِ وَسَخَّرَ الشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرِ كُلُّ يَجْرِي إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ مُسَمَّى وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ ذلك بأن الله هو الحق وأنما يدعون من دونه الباطل وأن الله هو العلي الكبير. Okay, question one. You talk about truth a lot. Why we should speak the truth? Do you have any hadith on the punishment for not telling the truth? Yes. The emphasis on truth, as I said. Is very fundamental and this is not something simple this is not just a for example normal practice this is not just a ritual or even an obligatory action this is very much linked to what faith is It's very much related to what submission is what Islam is this is very much part of the spirituality, the real spirituality. What is the real spirituality? Is the real spirituality just said to do some actions? Is it just to invocate God? To have a special dress? To spend your time on your prayer mat? To keep awake during the night? Is it the real spirituality? No. These can be linked these can be signs, these can be helpful, these can be steps towards real spirituality. But the real, real, real spirituality is to serve God. 
who is the truth and the true. Instead of making yourself the measure, instead of worshipping yourself and your interests, you observe the will of God who is the truth. You show humbleness before the truth. So, when a person fails to observe the truth, when a person is not able to recognize the truth in the first place and then confess or admit that he had failed to observe the truth, this is the sign of Iman. This is the sign that this person is... Uh, sorry, when the person observes this, not when the person fails, if I said it in a mistaken way, please forgive me. When someone is able to observe the truth and to admit that he had um, failed to tell the truth or act according to the truth, this is the sign of Iman. For example, I have a problem with my friend. I have a problem with a relative. I have a problem with a neighbor. Am I able to realize that I failed to observe the truth? What I said or what I did was wrong? This may look very simple. A problem between me and my neighbor. A problem between me and the taxi driver. Or for example, two cars are driving next to each other. And one of them wants to proceed. So, if I am a good person, I would realize that I made mistake. I annoyed that person. Okay, you may think that this is very simple. But indeed, this is very, very fundamental. Because that's just this example. This shows how committed you are to the truth. This person, this case is just an example. If you are able to admit that you fail to observe the truth, if you are able to correct yourself and bring yourself back to the truth, in this case, then you can do it in all other cases. And about the punishment for the people who don't tell the truth, of course, there are many hadiths. One of the major sins, one of the um, grave scenes is to tell lies is al-kizb there are many hadiths if you want you know you can refer to that book by Ayatollah Tasqib or many other books and indeed one of the things that uh, cause us to na'uzu billah inshallah this is not going to happen but causes people to go into hell and be put into the hell by their face is what they say by their tongues including telling lies backbiting and things like that question to salamun alaikum shaykh alaikum assalam when are we allowed to cover not to not speak the truth yes so there are two things that have to be observed one is to be truthful in the sense that you have this quality of truthfulness. One is to tell the truth. 
These two are different. In the discussions that sometimes I have on philosophy of morality, I tell you know this in the class, that in the Quran, in Islam, or from a philosophical perspective, there is no single case that you would be said that you must not be truthful as a quality. All people in all circumstances must have truthfulness as a quality of heart. Okay? But then as an action, shall I always tell the truth even if it's going to, for example, endanger life of an innocent person? That is another issue. So when it comes to actions, like saying something, I have to observe many, many things. Sometimes I may not be able to tell the truth. I don't tell the lies, but I don't tell the truth. Or even sometimes, in a very clearly, I'm saying clearly defined, narrowly defined, not you know, something that whenever I want to do, I do. In a very narrowly defined Cases, even you may be required to tell lies, to save someone's life, to save something which is very valuable. But still, you must not lose your quality of truthfulness. So, even if you are required to hide the truth, or even if the situation is so critical that you have to tell the lie, you must be still truthful. So you feel the bitterness of this. You feel not happy. But it's like, you know, when you are dying and the only thing which can save your life is that, for example, to eat something which is not halal. This is an emergency. If a person tells lies and feels not bad or, na'uzubillah, enjoys this means that this person is in a very critical condition. Question 3. What steps can a person follow to be sincere to himself? To be sincere to ourselves, to be sincere to others, to be sincere with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all are based on truthfulness. If we establish this one thing in our life, that I want to adjust myself according to the truth, not that I want to adjust truth according to myself. I don't want to manipulate the truth according to my own will. I want to be at the service of the truth. Then I would be sincere and honest with myself, with others, with God the Almighty and anyone else. Question 4. Salaamun Alaikum Shaykhuna. Alaikum Assalam wa Rahmatullah. We heard that you are in Dubai. Would it be possible to contact you? Uh, yes, I am in Dubai. And if you uh, need to contact me, so you can email me. My email is mashomali, M-A-S-H-O-M-A-L-I, at hotmail.com. So it seems that uh, we don't have any question. 
Oh, sorry. There is another question. Question five. I know we will be accountable for our actions, but what about our thoughts? Are we also going to be held accountable for our thoughts? Thank you. Yes. Regarding our thoughts, if you have thoughts that you have not acted upon them, you have not implemented them, you may not be legally responsible. For example, if there is a thought that I harm someone, but I have not actually harmed him. So, I may not be punished as a sinful person, but for sure this bad thought has its impact on my heart, on my spirituality. It would darken my heart. In the same way, if I have a good thought, even if I'm not able to do it, it has a great positive impact on my spirituality. And there may be some types of thoughts that even without implementation they have impact. So if you study the book Self-Knowledge, there I have explained when I'm discussing the difference between morality and fiqh, jurisprudence, I explained this issue. In any case, we have to be very much concerned also about our thoughts. We should try to have always positive thoughts, beautiful thoughts, thoughts of doing good to others, to ourselves, and this would facilitate our actions as well. Inshallah, next week, and for some of you in the weekend, uh, there is the birth anniversary of Imam Zaman Sharif in the middle of the month of Sha'ban. And I hope that inshallah this would be a very blessed occasion for all of you. I hope that inshallah this would be another opportunity for us to increase our knowledge, our love, our commitment towards Imam Zaman Sharif and inshallah we would be among the people who serve Imam Salam before and after he comes. It's not possible to serve Imam after he comes unless if you have done something to prepare yourself before he comes. So we should work hard to prepare the ground for Imam and among all the things that we have to do is to be observing requirements of justice, of truthfulness, of spreading the beautiful values which are found in the Quran and the teachings of Ahlul Bayt The last question How do we stop these bad thoughts? Is there any dua you can give us to recite? To stop bad thoughts you have to keep yourself busy with the good thoughts and good 
ideas. Because if you want just to suppress, it's very difficult and sometimes it becomes even worse. So if I want not to think something about something, this makes that thing even more you know, powerful in my mind. So it's better to divert your attention to the positive things. And this is the concept of remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if we remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it automatically brings all the good energy and good thoughts to our mind, to our heart, the, a good orientation. So all the invocations, all the zikrs are very powerful and very useful for having this kind of orientation. And in particular, tasbih is very important. If you say, you know, subhanallah, or for example, you know, subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah, Allah akbar. Or for example, if you have had bad conversation, or you know, maybe kind of interaction, and there are some thoughts remaining, or some impacts of those, you know, things, you want to remove that. So, inshallah, it will be useful to say, Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Azzat Amma Yasifun Wa Salamun Ala Al-Mursaleen Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen So these are powerful medicine for curing old problems as we have in Dua'aikum Al-Yaman Ismuhu Dawa'un Wa Dhikruhu Shifa' Remembrance of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is a healing for all the problems So I stop here I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to be all the time your support and guide. May Allah bless you, bless your families, your community. May Allah bless our community worldwide. May Allah bless all humanity by having the reappearance of Imam Zaman Sharif as soon as possible and as easy as possible. Thank you very much for your attention. Wa